most of you have, at one time or another, been told about venereal diseases. You've been frightened, and no doubt you've been warned of the terrible consequences of getting a venereal disease. You get gonorrhea, Baker. Gonorrhea? Why, I don't know how well, I... I do. You had a dirty woman. She comes on like a rose, but everybody knows she'll get you in touch. You can look, but you better not touch. Poison ivy, poison ivy. Late at night while you're sleeping, poison ivy comes a creeping around. This is a warning to teenagers and adults everywhere. VD may be running rampant in your community. Whether the product of loose women, men just out of the army, teenage dope fiends, or a high school boy that said you couldn't get it from kissing, you and everyone you know probably have a sexually transmitted venereal disease or infection. Symptoms may include a burning discharge, itchy urethra, sores on the mouth or genitals, spots on your hands and feet, or tiny pubic lice that bite you while you sleep. The only way to rid yourself of these cursed diseases is to run, don't walk, to your nearest podcatcher of choice as we present our first listener suggested topic on venereal diseases. Slums of Film History, a lowbrow look into the high art of cinema. Every episode is an in-depth look into a niche topic of film that is not normally discussed in play company. I'm Slate. And I'm Tom. And each week, one of us researches our respective topic, writes an episode, and then schools the other. We discuss everything from exploitation to ethnically inclusive street gangs to backwater hick rapists. If there's a film subject too taboo, we haven't found it yet. Welcome. Hi, Tom. Hey, Slate. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Do you have some stuff that you want to talk about? As a matter of fact, I do. All right. So, yeah, I want to address some feedback we got for the Fun with Nazis episode. Yeah. So, we got an email from an individual, Daniel, who brought up some other cartoons that I hadn't mentioned. He mentioned some Tex Avery cartoons by the creator of Bugs Bunny, a cartoon called Blitzwolf. I'd never heard of this before. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, it's a series of those. So, another thing that was really cool is he sent us a, a poster... I guess it was a concept poster of uh, one of the Ilsa movies that was never made, and it was Ilsa meets Bruce Lee in the Devil's Triangle. That's bonkers. That sounds fucking awesome. Yeah. I would have loved to have seen that movie. Yeah, me too. But what's interesting about that is that it crosses over into a whole other area of exploitation called Bruce Sploitation. Mm-hmm. And what that was is right around the time Bruce Lee died, uh, these movie companies, because Bruce Lee was at the height of his popularity, right. and these other like um, movie producers would find lookalikes and make kung fu movies with this lookalikes, and they looked enough like Bruce Lee because racism, uh-huh. and they would try to pawn these movies off as Bruce Lee knockoffs. That's so crazy. Bruce exploitation. Yeah, yeah. But that poster huh. was looks like is the shit. Yeah, it was really. You showed it to me. It was really cool. Yeah, it's really really awesome. 
And then we have an email from listener Chris who mentioned another cartoon called the Private Snafu Films. I don't know anything about this one either. Yeah, yeah. But it's like the Bugs Bunny cartoons, but it's supposedly really stereotypical and racist. Mm. Never heard anything about it. But fun fact, these movies feature the voice of Mel Blanc, who you know did all the Bugs Bunny voices. Oh, and it was written by Dr. Seuss. Oh, also. really? It's yeah. kind of a crazy fact. Yeah, it's kind of fucked up. Supposedly you can find them on YouTube, so I found that interesting. So cool. that's all I got to put up. Thanks, Chris. And Daniel? Yes. Chris and Daniel. Thanks, guys. Usually within three to five days, pus appears at the opening of the urethral canal. So I have to start the episode by saying this is the first time I've taken an actual audience request and made it into an episode. Yeah, it's a first. So please know, audience, that we are listening to you. We are not just reading your emails and watching your suggestions, but listening to your topic uh, suggestions as well. And this one came from listener Christine. She actually sent me a slew of hilarious yet informative topic solutions, one of which was rashes, which I thought was hilarious. If I could do an entire episode on rashes, which I don't think I can. Yeah. But yeah, she suggested vanilla diseases back in the summer and I thought this might be one that I'm kind of I'm into, excited about so, this one yeah, yeah. thanks and Christine thanks and it could be gross too which is a nice book uh, because we that. started with parasites and now if we get VD in here yep. I think that's yeah yep. that's a good way to book in this season but here's the real reason of why I really actually chose this and was like, oh, I think there might be an angle here. Okay. I've known that for a while that some of the first exploitation movies back in the 20s used STDs as a reason to show private parts. Mm-hmm. You know, that was kind of the only way that you could really do it and get away with it. Yeah. And I've always wanted to know more about that. And also, this was really one of the only ways that we were able to see private parts in middle school, you know, in textbooks <laughs> was to see them with, you know, horrible sores all over them. Uh. But there was also something really exciting about that you know it was terrifying yet also exciting because you could look in a book and see a you know a penis or a vagina but it had these horrible sores on it and right there's something fascinating about that yeah vd exploitation yeah yeah so let's talk about STDs a little bit before we start real life STDs. Oh, let's. And let's start with herpes. Um, just because it's funny. It's a funny word. It's herpes a, is yeah. very funny. Mm-hmm. Basically, everyone in the world has some form of herpes, whether it's the upstairs herpes or the downstairs herpes. Most everyone has HSV1, so that's upstairs. Okay. Um, not everybody, you know, gets cold sores, but pretty much everybody's got like one or the other. You know, you'll sure. test positive for it in blood test. Mm. Much fewer have HSV2, that's downstairs. And for the most part, each of them stay kind of like in their own court. It's very rare to give someone upstairs herpes if you have it downstairs. And while you can get downstairs sores from an upstairs person, it's still upstairs herpes and it probably won't show back up downstairs. But but what about veranda herpes? I think there is probably such a thing as veranda herpes that's kind (laughs) of like, it just can't make decisions. Yeah, Yeah. somewhere in between. This is actually one of my favorite dinner conversations. So I love talking about upstairs and downstairs herpes. He does too, that's that's for real. Unfortunately, both strains of herpes are both incurable so you just have to learn to live with it and you know that kind of sucks living with herpes Let's talk about chlamydia and gonorrhea now. Oh, good. They're pretty interchangeable. Gonorrhea is usually called the clap Mm -hmm. or the drip, while chlamydia is usually called the itch. Mm -hmm. I'll just let you do the math on that one. Mm -hmm. Then there's scabies, which are tiny mites that burrow into your skin and cause itchy rashes. It's not really a venereal disease, but they're gross and weird, so I thought I'd talk about them. Thanks. They're typically spread from skin-to-skin contact, so, you know, obviously it's easy to spread them sexually. And then there's crabs or pubic lice. 
which are tiny parasite mites that get into your pubes and suck blood from your hair follicles. You can get them from toilet seats and trying on clothes and dressing rooms, but let's face it, like, you get them from sex. You know? mm-hmm. yeah. The singer Trey Songs actually admitted that he had crabs when he was a teenager. So there's a famous person that admitted he had crabs. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. just the only one that admitted it. Yeah. But yeah. There's also hepatitis, specifically mm-hmm. hepatitis C. Hep C is like a super dangerous disease that is usually transmitted by blood. So blood transfusions are needle drug users right but it can be transmitted sexually its main effect is liver damage and there's really no cure for it but pam anderson and tommy lee both have hepatitis c yeah tommy lee gave it to pamela yeah. uh steven Christmas tyler gift. and yeah. naomi judd had hep c but seems like their money has gotten them cured from hep c as it can uh-huh evil knievel had hep c hmm. of course we have to talk about hiv aids it is a sexually transmitted disease and even though it's really sad i'm still going to talk about it today okay because there are a good number of AIDS-themed movies, and and they're Mm. very important. And then there's syphilis. Mm. Syphilis is really fucking nasty. It's a sexually transmitted disease that causes blisters and sores on the palms of your hands, bottoms of your feet, inside your mouth, and on your junk. And it has a really long history. No one really knows where it came from originally, but it didn't really show up until Columbus went back to Europe. So I'm just going to say that it's his fault. Yeah, that's fair. Anyway, it's treatable, although it's much worse than the other ones I talked about. If left untreated, it causes all kinds of awful shit and could possibly eventually kill you. Remember that penicillin wasn't discovered until 1928, so it was kind of the AIDS of that time. Mm. And so, it's appropriate that the first film about venereal diseases is all about the danger of syphilis. Of course. The first movie was called Damaged Goods from 1914. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Remember, I thought I think we talked about I it a little we, bit before. Yeah, we talked about it very briefly. No one's really ever seen it. It's presumed lost forever, but we know a few things about it. It was, of course, a silent film based mm-hmm. on a play that was about a man that contracts syphilis from a prostitute, or as they call it, girl of the street. Oh, nice. That's a polite way of saying it. He then gives it to his wife who is pregnant and may or may not give it to their baby. It's unclear. Anyway, it was a popular exploitation film kind of dressed as a morality play. And it's credited as being not only one of the first exploitation films, but also the movie that created the sex hygiene film craze of the next 10 or so years. Mm -hmm. These films were a combination of things, but mostly were used as propaganda-ish type films to get people to brush their teeth, not have sex before marriage, and in the case of the movie Child Bride from our exploitation episode, mm-hmm. not to marry 12-year-old girls. Yep, it's an important, important film that people somehow needed to be told that. For years and years, this trend would continue with movies like Is Your Daughter Safe from 1927 that mm-hmm. you talked about in... I might have talked about it. In, I think I did mention it in Hunger yeah, Vengeance. Yeah. Damaged Lives from 1933. Sex Madness from 1938 is kind of like a, it's very similar to Reefer Madness, if you're familiar with that. Part of a series. And Dr. Ehrlich's Magic Bullet from 1940. The Magic <laughs> Bullet is kind of the, the shot of penicillin. It's the magic thing. That's that not anywhere near what I was thinking that meant. Oh, that's this. You're disgusting. I know. You're a horrible person. <laughs> hey, girl, I want me to give you the Magic Bullet. There you go. Remember that all of these films were big during the newsreel age, where Mm -hmm. anything on the big screen was entertainment, even if it was war footage or educational venereal disease warnings or a big budget movie like Gone with the Wind. In fact, to the people of the United States from 1943 about the dangers of syphilis to soldiers at war actually won Best Documentary Short at the Oscars. Oh, wow. As Surgeon General of your army... I know that the subject of this film is a deadly enemy and a menace to our armed forces. 
For too long, we have allowed a social taboo to prevent effective discussion and action. Now, it is high time. We met the enemy with all the force and knowledge at our command. The children who follow us must inherit health and freedom and happiness. The scourge of the seas must be wiped from the land. Syphilis. Say it. Syphilis. Learn about it. Have a blood test to make sure you haven't got it. And working together, we will stamp it out. There's even a Mickey Mouse cartoon panel in a 1944 issue of Look Magazine that explains the new sulfa drugs and how they cure gonorrhea. Mickey and company show the effectiveness of the treatment. I'll put it on the site. Please do. Mm-hmm. Feedy was not a very big topic once the production code came into play, but educational movies, which I use in quotes, mm-hmm. like Sex Madness, could skirt the production code. Yeah. But to be honest, since syphilis was curable and so was gonorrhea, STDs weren't really a thing for a while until the sexual revolution hit in the mid-60s. Right. One of the seminal films, that's weird because seminal also sounds like semen. Yes. One of the seminal films of the generation was the film called VD, or Damaged Goods. That's not to be confused with the 1914 movie with the same name. Hmm. I was probably going to pass this over because this movie is really tame, but then I found out something kind of crazy. Okay. So the movie is directed by a guy named Sid Davis, who only made one feature film. It's, you know, this one. Mm -hmm. I couldn't find it online, which is really weird, because normally you can find all of these relatively unpopular movies, you know, streaming on YouTube. So I finally found it on the Something Weird website. Okay. And I started reading about it. Long story short, Sid Davis was the guy that basically created the template for every school safety hygiene, don't talk to strangers, look both ways before you cross the street films that were sold to police stations and schools from the 40s to 60s. Wow. So I want to talk about him for a sec. Please. Sid Davis worked in the film industry in the 40s. He was a really big guy, like physically, he was a big guy. Mm -hmm. And he was usually best known as John Wayne Stand-In and also a very close friend. Okay. In the late 40s, there was a child abduction and Sid had a six-year-old daughter that didn't seem to understand the idea of not talking to strangers. Sid talked to John Wayne about it, and John Wayne gave him a thousand bucks, which is like the equivalent of ten thousand dollars today, yeah, to make a short film about it to help teach kids not to talk to strangers. Hmm. He made it quickly and efficiently. It's called The Dangerous Stranger. You can watch it online. Oh, great. And it's basically scenarios of kids that talk to strangers and get kidnapped. Some get away and some disappear forever. But it's the kind of, you know, it's just montages that's not sync sound. So it's like shows ki- kids and it's like, this is Billy. Billy is a good boy until he didn't listen to his parents and he talked to strangers. Now a guy's going to lock him in the basement and kiss him a lot or whatever. <laughs> Remember the story about the little girl in the paper? Hello, little lady. All alone, aren't you? I'll buy you some ice cream. Well, nobody ever saw her again. It was in the headlines and on the radio. You probably heard it. The police believe she was kidnapped. They have no clues to the identity stranger in the shabby car. Nobody thought to take the license number of the car. And if you see any little girl... That's the way it happened. And just look at how sad it made her mother and father. I had to tell them about it. All because she forgot what they'd told her about strangers. He sold copies to schools and towns and police officers, and he made a little bit of a profit. Hmm. And then he realized that this could, like, actually kind of be something. So he started making other films. 
films about shoplifting, like the film named I Took It. <laughs> it's probably more like I Took It, yeah, like a declaration you, you, yeah. of like when you're crying to the police, you know. Films about weed, like the one called But What About Pot? That's or, awesome, by the uh-huh, way. Yeah. Or Barbiturates, like the film The Pill Poppers. I've heard of Pill Poppers. Uh-huh. Or Drinking and Driving, like the film The Bottle and the Throttle, which are similar to movies that you talked about in Snuff. You know, Recognized Death, my favorite movie of all time. Drunken driving movies. Yeah. Most of these films were between about 10 and 30 minutes. They featured normal people, not actors and actresses, and usually had a VO or a medical professional or policeman, you know, policewoman, explaining the situation to the viewers. He made so many danger warning films (laughs) that he earned the name The King of Calamity. Because basically in all of his movies, it was like, here's Billy, he's walking. And then, you know, a plane would hit him. Did you, you say know? calamity? Calamity. Cal- calamity. Calamity? King of calamity? Yeah, you're like colonostomy is what that sounds like. Oh, like a colonoscopy? Like That's a- what it sounds like, but it's calamity. Cal- calamity. Not like what cal- did I say? Calamity? Calamity. I like mine better. Well, you can have it. Calamity sounds Jane. sounds more civil. How to pronounce calamity. Now, one more time. Calamity. So why he created a feature-length, full-on narrative film about the dangers of VD is a little baffling. Mm-hmm. Damaged Goods is about Jim and Judy, a high school couple that have been going steady for a while. Jim is in a rush to get a move on with his life, specifically the life he, that he wants with Judy. Mm-hmm. Judy is a bit of a prude, and even though she agrees to marry Jim much earlier than planned, prudes out on everything he wants to do in the meantime. So lame. He goes away with his buds for a weekend on the town, and he sees a strip show, and then he gets drunk off of mixed drinks it's one of those like montages where it's like another round then another round then the cash register and then another round you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. and then he basically fucks a prostitute um, <laughs> you don't see any of this you know that's it's lame. like that's it's so the sad. tamest like feature length film you know you've ever seen it's like a very soft G Jim should never pay $10 for a hooker <laughs> He should haggle for $8. You know, that's what it should be. I agree. Yeah. Judy finds out that he fucked the hooker and they break up. And then after that, he feels a sore in his mouth. And his so dick falls off. He talks. Did you say his dick falls off? Yeah, I yeah. hope so. He talks to his track coach and they go to the doctor who just happens to have a film projector in his office <laughs> and a film about syphilis and gonorrhea all ready to go, all spooled up, ready to go. You never know when you'll need it. Right. You have syphilis, Jim. I couldn't. I'm sorry. You get it during sexual intercourse with an infected woman. I guess I got it at Seaview from a prostitute. I see. Maybe you better see this picture. It's actually really meta because the three of them are in a doctor's office of a movie directed by Sid Davis. They're watching a short educational scare film that was also made by Sid Davis, similar to the other scare films that he did before he made the feature length scare film that they're all watching, which is now showing a short scare film. It's kind of... It's like a Charlie Kaufman movie. It's kind of meta. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, he gets treatment and all is fine. And he and Judy get back together again. It's really dreadful since it's so tame and basically like nothing really happens at the end. But it's fascinating because of the way people learned about things back then. Right. Through exploitation educational films. It's, it was super interesting. And Judy, you could do better. You didn't need to take him back. I don't know. She's such a prude. Yeah, Judy true. was kind of lame. Which means he's going to fuck more hookers. Yeah, I like the prostitute because you can cure syphilis. You right. can't cure prudes. I should make a film about that. <laughs> yeah. Just like you mentioned in Snuff, some of these films were really violent, like dark shit. Mm-hmm. And like Sid Davis movies, you would just kind of show kids a worst case scenario and then be like, this could happen to you. 
And then you sold them to elementary schools. In one of them, you know, it's a little girl. She's like cutting out paper dolls and, you know, she's got a pair of scissors. She gets up to go surprise her dad when he comes home and she falls on the scissors and gets impaled on a, you know, and it's just like, incredible. that's where you're going with this. But, you know, (laughs) some pretty fine exploiting, you know, got done in these. That's great. So on the Something Weird DVD of Damaged Lives, which I got, is a second film from 1970 that's 10 years later called The Hard Road. If Damaged Lives is the tamest beaver cleaver way of presenting a small syphilis problem, The Hard Road is like the Beyond the Valley of the Dolls version. (laughs) It opens with a montage of extreme newspaper headlines like Glue Sniffer Dies in Shootout and Dope Fiends Lint to VD Crisis. It's crazy. And it transitions into a teenage girl whose name is Pam mm-hmm. that is with her parents on her way to the hospital to deliver a baby that she's going to give up for adoption. Of course. And FYI, her mother is played by the over-the-top actress Liz Renee, who was also in the John Waters movie Desperate Living. Okay. Anyhow, Pam gets all wrapped up in the wrong crowd, including a rock band and numerous drug addicts. But it's not just weed. It's everything from pills to heroin. There's drug trips and crazy freakouts. There's some pretty serious violence. And of course, Pam gets an STD. She goes to the doctor who explains STDs and we get to see all kinds of like nasty medical photos. Uh. But this time we see like real privates, you know, which is mm-hmm. which is rare, you know, yeah, yeah, to yeah. see that. Lots of sores on dicks and vaginas, a nose that was basically eaten away by something, which I guess is syphilis. Yeah. I don't know if syphilis eats your nose, but yeah, whatever. Yeah, can, yeah. Babies with syphilis, bone diseases, like all kinds Jesus. of really gross shit. People go to jail and have long drug withdrawal sequences. The withdrawal guy ends up in an isolation cell, throwing himself against the padded walls, all bloody and nuts. Damn. Right after, Pam takes too much LSD and goes on a crazy drug trip that ends up with her throwing herself in front of a car at an airport and dies. Like, this movie is bonkers. Wow, that sounds amazing. Please tell me there's a link you're going to put on the site for this one. I can. You can actually stream it on uh, the Something Weird site. Yeah, I need to watch this movie. Of course, this was pretty late for a preachy drug STD film. I mean, it's 1970. So right, yeah. Since by it's this time, too late by then. <laughs> yeah. Since by this time, the sexual revolution was well underway. Mm-hmm. And where you'd think that STDs would have blown up, that's no pun intended. Mm-hmm. Instead, everything became at that time all about the pill. You know, the pill was relatively new, right. very controversial. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the pill didn't protect against STDs. So by the mid-70s, America went from two STDs to now 24 different ones. So we've gone from two, and now in 2016, there's 24 different STDs. Shit. In fact, Melvin Van Peebles confessed years later that he had so much sex on the set of Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song from 1971 that he contracted gonorrhea. Yeah, I wouldn't mm-hmm. be surprised. Yep. And some of that is on the screen, because yep. he had sex in the actual movie. That's, that's so, what they say. Yeah. yeah. So one of the first movies to take on this new fear of all these new STDs was Cronenberg's Shivers from 1975. Yeah. We talked about it a little bit in Parasites, but I just want to run over it real quick. So it's a doctor's experimenting with parasites for use in transplants. He develops a combination aphrodisiac and venereal disease. Once implanted, it causes uncontrollable sexual desire in the host. So this is clearly kind of a body horror reaction to, you know, the after effects of the sexual 
sexual revolution. Right. Combined with the fading of the swingers craze in the mid seventies, remember how eating Raul really trashed it in the nineteen in nineteen eighty two. Yeah. And it was also kind of the end of porno chic and obviously the uber conservative Reagan years. So not that STDs has ever had a period where they weren't demonized, but the next few years would be kind of pretty rough on STDs. Mm-hmm. One of the weirdest movies to deal with STDs is Brian De Palma's Dress to Kill from nineteen eighty. <laughs> Yeah, we talked about it in an LGBT psychopath, and I didn't bring this part up because I knew I was going to talk about it. But do you okay. remember what happens to Angie Dickinson right after she has sex with the stranger, but right before she gets murdered by Michael Caine in a wig? No. So she's putting her jewelry back on. I guess the guy falls asleep or whatever. So they've had sex during the day. She's about to go home to her husband, and she's looking really proud of herself, kind of like you know, I'm a sexually frustrated woman who can't have sex with her husband, and right. I had sex with the stranger, and that's okay. I'm a sexually liberated woman. It's okay, everything is fine. She's kind of happy. And she's just kind of like looking around just lightly on his desk and she sees a letter and the letter is from an STD clinic that's like, you have gonorrhea. Come to the come here to get treatment immediately. And I don't know, I guess it's probably dated that day or something. Right, I so, didn't remember any of that part. So she, and she's like, oh my God, I have gonorrhea now. Mm-hmm. And she then goes from kind of being sex positive, you know, I've, I've done this thing to, oh my God, I've got gonorrhea and mm-hmm. you know whatever and then she gets killed by michael Caine in a wig what do you think that was like i you know how it was like all right go with me on this yeah like, sure, so sure. we talked about the bad seed where you could show this stuff but then have to show the negative effects maybe that was some sort of implied thing yeah sure the code is gone but maybe maybe it's symbolic of the sexual revolution is over but she got murdered seconds later by a transgender person. Like, she was punished for her crime. Right. You know what I mean? Why did they give her gonorrhea and then kill her a second later? <laughs> you know what I mean? It was just right. like, yeah. there's no there's no effects of the gonorrhea if you're fucking dead. But wait a minute, didn't they do like an autopsy on her and found out she had sex with some, or that she got gonorrhea? Wasn't there that part of it, or am I just full of shit? I, I don't think remember you're full their... of shit. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think... After she died, there was ever anything. anything it was just like there's a murderer on the loose. Okay. When I saw it, I was just like, "What? Why did they See, give her?" Thanks, Brian De Palma. This is why we can't have nice things. Yeah. She couldn't just die happy of just getting laid. She had to be worried about gonorrhea and then get killed. Right. You, you're a dick. What a dick. What a fucking dick. And then the AIDS epidemic hit the world and changed the conversation about STDs pretty much forever. Mm -hmm. Up until this time, STDs were used as something to make kids afraid to have sex and men afraid to cheat on their wives with prostitutes. No one believed that they could catch anything, and when they did, it really wasn't as bad as the movies and health class made it seem. Right. AIDS changed all of that, especially if you were a young gay man. I'm not going to belabor this since probably everyone listening to this knows about AIDS, but interestingly enough, it took a while for Hollywood to catch up to what was happening at the time. Right. In fact, a TV movie was the first to portray a gay man with AIDS in 1985. Right. That movie was An Early Frost, starring Aidan Quinn and Gina Rollins. It was a big success, even though a lot of advertisers wanted nothing to do with it, and spawned the movie As Is with Robert Carradine, Go Towards the Light with Linda Hamilton, mm-hmm. The Ryan White Story with Lucas Haas, and Judith Light from Who's the Boss, and The Littlest Victims. These were all TV movies in the mid-80s. Oh, I didn't realize. I mean, I'd, I'd heard of some of them, but not all of them. Yeah. It wasn't until 1990 that the first AIDS drama would really hit screens, and that movie was Longtime Companion. Okay. 
and I know you get sick of hearing me talk about Truth or Dare and Madonna's Blonde Ambition Tour, mm-hmm. but there are a few scenes that dealt with Madonna and her dancers' urgency about AIDS prevention and treatment way before most actors and musicians would get on board. She dedicates a show to Keith Haring, who had just died, with a prepared written statement. The dancers go to a gay pride parade and do a moment of silence. She does an onstage skit about being man enough to wear a condom, etc. So, mm-hmm. you know, she was really one, kind of one of the film forefronts of this whole movement. Yeah. You know, you never really get to know a guy until you ask him to wear a rubber. It says like this. You know what I'm saying? And then, of course, Philadelphia came out and really brought AIDS into the mainstream. Mm-hmm. Philadelphia will really go down in history as the movie that changed the perception of gays and lesbians in film forever. We didn't really talk about it in LGBT Psychopaths because it didn't quite fit. No. But it wasn't just a signal that AIDS was a real problem, but that the way that we treated gay people in general in movies especially just wasn't right. Yeah. And the fact that we didn't want to touch someone that has AIDS was just another way of treating gays like second-class citizens. I've actually only seen Philadelphia one time. I saw it in the theater when it came out. And when I started doing the research to this, I was like, that's right. Like, people in the movie did not want to be in the same room with him because they thought they would get it. Mm -hmm. And they didn't want to touch him. If he had touched anybody, then they would wash their hands and think, I've got... You know, it was really like, don't touch a gay man. Yeah, I remember that whole thing in there. The movie Philadelphia is a decent movie. I don't think it's good nor bad. It's sure. kind of just, it's fine. But it was really the performances and mainstream actors and Denzel Washington, Tom Hanks, uh, Antonio Banderas, Mary Steenberg, and Jason Rose. Right. Jason Robards, these are huge stars, mm-hmm. you know, that came out, no pun intended, and the numerous Best Actor Awards that Tom Hanks won that made it kind of what it was. It was really Hollywood's coming out in support of gays and AIDS victims at the same time. It was pretty huge. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, the next few movies that would follow were wildly influential in the research and treatment of HIV AIDS, but more importantly, they helped change the stigma of AIDS as well. I remember in high school, in health class, that we were taught that basically if you looked at a gay guy, you would die of AIDS immediately. And by the time Philadelphia came out in 1993, a lot of people trusted a fictional Tom Hanks movie more than their health books. Mm -hmm. A few notable AIDS movies were Kids from 1995 by Barry Clark. Super super AIDS, yeah. Boys on the Side. Remember this movie? (laughs) He told me about it. I had not thought about this movie. I saw it in the theater when it came out. It was Mary Louise Parker as a woman with HIV, Whoopi Goldberg as a lesbian, and Drew Barrymore. Oh, and it was, it was a like road a, movie. It was a road man. movie. Oh, shit, yeah. And it, had, it was one of those movies that had the soundtrack that everybody wanted. It was all mm-hmm. female artists. It was like Indigo Girls, Melissa Etheridge, oh, yeah, you yeah. know, whatever. Mm-hmm. It was a real, yep. it was a real, uh, yeah, yeah, lesbian on wheels, <laughs> HIV kind of bummer of a movie yeah and i forgot all about that movie i mean you should have it was not (laughs) it was not a thing but you know a lot of people kind of got on board with this whole thing and the movie was kind of like Mm -hmm. the hours from 2002 has ed harris as a dying man who meryl streep is trying to plan a party for and angels in america from 2003 was based on a play won basically every emmy and golden globe in the world Mm -hmm. and that seemed to be around the end of the time where aids was considered kind of a death sentence you know, so those movies really felt like AIDS was just this this thing that was just going to end in everybody dying. Yeah. Where does Rent fit in all this? You know, Rent was in there. Rent was really influential as a Broadway play. By the time the movie came out, would it come out in two thousand? It came out way too late, or nine, or something yeah. like that. I mean, I didn't even see it. And you remember how much I love Rent when I was a kid? Oh God, yes, I do. I was just like over it. I was just, I don't. Yeah. I saw Rent like maybe the third time, and I was like, Ooh, this isn't good anymore. Right? Yeah. 
it's kind of one of those things that was really a product of its time. And once its time was passed, it was like it doesn't fit anymore. And um, if you've ever ridden in a car with Slate in the 90s, you know you usually had two choices of what soundtrack was going to be on, which was either Rent or Evita. Which yeah. is why I asked to listen to Via a lot more than you probably thought I would want to. Yeah, sure. Because I mean, otherwise it was Rent. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> I, uh, to all of my friends, I apologize for the show tunes that phase. Was a long time, was, that was a long time coming. It wasn't my best look. <laughs> By the time Precious came along in 2009, that movie was set in the mid-80s. And yeah. you know, obviously you remember that Precious finds out that she's HIV positive. Right. Movies like Dallas Buyers Club from 2013 in the documentary How to Survive a Plague from 2012, they all kind of tell past stories now. Sure. So it's kind of like if, if you're going to make an HIV or an AIDS movie, it's going to have to be either set in the 80s or the 90s. Right. Now we have drugs that treat people to make them undetectable and similar drugs that people can take that are practically 100% effective and keeping them from getting it. So it's as close to a vaccine as we've ever come to, to AIDS right. now. So this kind of has a happy ending. It's a little bit of a bummer, but I kind of was like, I don't have enough material to talk about this without, sure. uh, without HIV. So sorry I blew through that kind of quick, but it's sad and I don't want to be sad here on Slums of Film History, right. especially after you just did Rape Revenge. Yeah, Jesus Christ, man. All right, so let's lighten the mood a little bit. Please. I don't generally talk about TV movies a lot, but today is going to be the exception since, as I mentioned, TV is where a lot of venereal disease melodramas ended up. Yeah. One of my personal favorites, Intimate Agony, from 1983. That's a real, that's a thing. It's a real title. This is a TV movie. It stars Judith Light from Who's the Boss? Wow, really? And Mark Harmon from The Love Boat. It's about a young doctor on a resort island that discovers genital herpes is running rampant throughout the community. Oh, no. He gets frustrated by the community's denial and decides to go public with the news to help the spread of herpes. Mm -hmm. It's kind of exactly the same plot as Jaws by this time because the island's real estate commission is trying to build condos and doesn't want everyone to know the town has been turned into Herpes Island or else nobody will you know, buy a place there. By the end, basically every human being that has ever been on Paradise Island has full-blown genital herpes. Herpes is a national epidemic. Viruses don't respect boundaries. The people of Paradise Isle are as susceptible as anybody else. Why won't you tell me who you are? If you're afraid that you've infected someone... I didn't say that. I went out with them, I went to bed with them, and he gave me herpes. Is that enough? I'm afraid that it's going to affect every relationship that I have. The New York Times actually gave it a pretty scathing review and called it an exploitation movie, which it totally is. Mm-hmm. It's also a terrific watch. This, so you watch this movie? Uh-huh. So it's uh, it's on YouTube. You can watch the whole thing. I gotta watch this Complete thing. with like commercial breaks. I mean, they obviously don't cut, you know, you don't watch the old 80s commercials, which would be terrific. That would but be terrific. But it's so. really, really great. Wow. Yeah. Like, is it filmed like Jaws? Like, is it a, a nail-biting thriller? No, it's <laughs> it's filmed. It's very melodramatic <laughs> and silly. And you're kind of like, we've got to stop the herpes now. But it's just like, that's not what an outbreak of genital herpes looks like at all. You know? <laughs> this is off the charts. It was like that kind of. And it was like, everybody calm down. This isn't that bad. <laughs> Yeah, now I gotta watch that terrible movie. The movie Miss Ever's Boys from 1997 was all about, this is also a TV movie, yeah. was all about the true story of the Tuskegee experiments, which were government-sanctioned tests on untreated syphilis in poor African-American men. This is true story. Mm-hmm. They basically found a bunch of men with syphilis, and instead of giving them penicillin, they pretended to treat them with placebo so they could see what the long-term effects were. It's totally illegal and also, you know, super racist. Mm-hmm. The movie Miss Ever's 
Bruce's boy starred Alfre Woodard as a nurse and Lawrence Fishburne is one of the test subjects. Oh, wow. It won a shit ton of Emmys and Best Actress for Alfre Woodard. Oh, wow. Good mm-hmm. for her. Yeah. All right. Let's take a quick break before we get into the 2000s. Okay. So we haven't played a game in a while. Oh, shit. My two truths and a lie during our rabies episode was a real bomb. So we're going back <laughs> to the type of flashcard uh, type of format. Yeah, you I did better up. on that one. I did much better on that. All right. So these movie posters that I'm about to show you each mm-hmm. have the titles of six different movies. And I want you to turn them into movies where the title involves a venereal disease. So I'm going to show you the title and then uh-huh. you change it to basically make an STD pun. Right. Okay. Got it. The first one's pretty easy. Okay. Here it is. It's the movie Herbie Goes Bananas. Herbie, herpes Go Bananas. Yeah. Uh-huh. Herpes Goes Bananas. Yes, very good. Very I thanks. thought you'd get that one. Okay. Yes, ready for the I second love one? Love that one. Here's the second one. It is the movie. Gonorrhea in 60 Seconds. Gone in 60 Seconds. Yeah. You're doing good with this. Gonorrhea in 60 Seconds. This one's a little harder. It's the movie The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> yes. But uh, uh, The Syphilis of Oz? I don't <laughs> You're probably, well, I didn't actually think that you would know this one. So the term that gay men now use for each other, if they're positive, HIV positive, is paws. So it's The Wizard of Paws. Wow. I figured you wouldn't know that one. Trick one. Okay. Ready for the next one? Well, it's Fight Club, which would be Fight Crab. I don't know. What are you? Oh, that was actually pretty good. It's Fight <laughs> Clap. Oh, Fight clap. <laughs> clap. Why didn't I think of that? I love the old oh, clap joke. Clearly, I haven't drank okay. enough yet. Ready for the next one? Yes. Okay. It's the Johnny Depp film. <laughs> Pubic Enemies. Pubic. Love that one. <laughs> Pubic Slate's Enemies. Slate's very happy about uh-huh. And oh, then here's game. the last one. Is another easy one for you. Gonorrhea with the wind. Gonorrhea with, with the, the wind. wind. I love that one. Yeah. Classic movie. You did pretty good with that one. You did good with yeah, these I'm games. Just... We're going to stick to kind of flashcard format from now on. That I sounds think. like a, a good idea. Yeah. The mouth of the urethra and the groove behind the head of the penis are particularly vulnerable points. I'm going to do a slums of film history first today. Are you ready? Uh, yes. Okay. We're going to talk about our first Lifetime movie. Mm-hmm. I'm excited about this. We've never talked about a Lifetime movie no. before. All right. This movie is called She's Too Young. And it's basically the best movie I've ever seen because it goes from zero to everyone is infected with syphilis in like 30 minutes. Holy shit. It centers around a nerdy but pretty 14-year-old girl and her mom, played by Oscar winner Marsha Gay Harden, who must have been going through a rough patch Everyone's and needed taxes to pay. some sweet, yeah. sweet lifetime money, I guess. Yeah. Because, I mean, she won the Oscar for Pollock, I think, in 2001. This is three years later. Like, right. she must have needed the money. Everyone needs to pay for rehab, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Anyway, the girl starts dating the school heartthrob and ends up going down on him. Right around the same time, one of her friends that has been around the block a few times finds out that she has syphilis. She's asked by the school nurse how many partners she's had, and she's like, I don't know. You know, and she's like thinking, and the nurse is like, it doesn't have to be in an exact number. You know, it can, it, is it like, you know, three or, you know, two or three, right. you know? And the girl is like, I don't know, 15 or 20. And the nurse looks at her like she is fucking Hitler. Like the nurse looks wow. at her like this is the apocalypse. This girl, she's like 13. She's had sex with 20 people. Right. It's amazing. Damn. Such an amazing moment. That sounds kind of great. Yeah. Is this is. 
And this is like in the 2000s, this, this came This movie out? is in 2004. That's amazing. Yeah. So meanwhile, the whole town starts going nuts, and Marsha Gay Harden is trying to educate the parents, since she, of course, has the perfect daughter. Of course she does. But the kids start to turn on the daughter, since the syphilis is kind of like not that big of a deal, really. They all get treated for it. And her mom is getting in the way of all of their teenage sex, which makes total sense. It does, indeed. Then, of course, her daughter finds a sore in her mouth and has to tell her mom that she also has syphilis because she blew that guy. Marsha Gay Harden then goes to a party to look for her daughter who snuck out. And this party is the most banging, drug-fueled, like, liquor orgy I've ever seen in my entire life. Really? Like, I don't know what type of loser parties I've been going to, but these fucking kids know how to throw a fucking party. Like, this thing is amazing. Anyway, a kid with a flip phone stops a girl from getting raped, and Marsha Gay Harden and her daughter have a moment together at the end where they decide they're going to get through this together. She says, we're all going to do better. All of us. It's one of the best exploitation movies I've ever seen. Five, six, seven, eight, I'm banging. I'm cute. I'm more popular than you. Great clothes. Mustache. Boys love to grab my ass. I'm rocking. I'm hot. You want what I want. <laughs> Hey, guess what, guys? I have syphilis. <laughs> what? I have syphilis. Hey, you're not in middle school anymore, right? Hannah, why didn't you tell us what's going on in school? What do you mean? Syphilis. 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 21 cases of syphilis. Syphilis, man. I said I have syphilis. Oh, my God, Hannah. You better stick them all. Because I probably did. Just a quick note, they treat syphilis like a really big deal at first, and then once it's determined that it's easily cured, they shift focus to teenage promiscuity. So it's kind of like the thing that everyone freaks out about until they realize that there's like a greater problem. Right. Which in this case is that that 14-year-old girl had been with 20 Dude, guys. she fucked the whole damn school. She's a national hero, I think. No, I'm good for her. <laughs> Jeez, I'm jealous. <laughs> anyway, I don't know if I've ever watched a Lifetime movie all the way through until, you know, I just watched this. They're super cheesy and, and melodramatic, but, you know, they, they didn't take a lot of easy way outs. You know, they kind of made Marsha Gay Harden's character like, you know, this, this self-righteous, you know, like kind of strict mother who then had to realize that, like, it hadn't worked on her own child, and so she had to start figuring out different ways to do things. And, you know what I mean? They're, right. they're, Lifetime movies are not without their merits. They don't treat women like complete and total idiots it's just right idiotic it's, but not complete and total idiots yeah it's lifetime channel yep now i gotta watch it so where did you where did you see it did you see it online Is yeah you... you can watch it on youtube okay it's free you know it's on i've never seen the movie easy a from 2010 which pretty much made emma stone a star but apparently it's a retelling modernized homage to the scarlet letter yeah have you seen this no i haven't seen it Emma Stone pretends to have sex with a lot of guys. It's a high school movie. Yes. And then wears a red A on her jacket, which, duh, makes her super popular. Mm -hmm. But one of the guys she's pretended to have sex with gets an STD, and surprise, it's Lisa Kudrow who actually had sex with them. And if Emma Stone tells, it will ruin her marriage and she'll lose her job. So there's kind of a, it's kind of used as a consequence of cheating on your husband, which is a little different than most of the other cases, since it's usually a man that gets it from a hooker or a loose woman. Loose woman. That, you know, gives it to his wife. There's an extended gonorrhea joke in Anchorman 2, which is pretty fun. Remember the, remember the time I took Cham's mom to the hospital, and then we hit it off, and I gave her gonorrhea? Cham's mom got the clap. Oh, my she God. She was 
pissed. Fantana's a dirty dog. I tell you something, she was 78, but she didn't look a day over 74. Get rid of the walker and the eye patch? I tell you, she ain't bad looking. Good to go. Best part of it all, she actually fell in love with Brian. Oh, uh, how's she doing? She died yesterday. Oh, that stinks. Yeah. Tell her I said hi. I can't because she's dead now. Oh, dead, dead. Dead. Oh. She passed away. Mm, gonorrhea? <laughs> and then there's also a movie that just came out called Bang Gang that is a female director's take. I've uh-huh. heard of this. So yeah. I don't know anything about it. So I watched it. It was, I kind of, you know, it was one of those movies that was in my Netflix DVD that, you know, just showed up. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, right. I'm going to add this to my STDs list. To the list of all the STDs I've had. Just kidding. That's different than my STDs <laughs> list, which is a list of films that I was going to talk about in this. Not the list of the. Wow. Uh-huh. I don't know how I'm going to get out of that one. (laughs) This movie called Bang Gang is kind of a female director's take on a true story about some French teenagers that start doing group orgy type of stuff, then start filming it, then start a ring of underage porn videos online. It's a true story, apparently true story. Wow. It's kind of very similar to like a Larry Clark movie, but it does have the difference of being with a female director's point of view, so it definitely feels different. It's not a great movie. I saw it a couple months ago, but if you're a Larry Clark fan, it's an interesting counterpoint. Hmm. And everyone gets an STD in this movie, but they're all treatable and everyone's parents find out, but they just basically get the treatment and then everyone goes on with their lives. It's French, right? Yeah. It's kind of like a she's too young, but French and without all the like mother daughter drama. Right. Nice. And the last film I want to talk about today is the movie It Follows from just last year. I thought you would get to this one. Rough plot. A girl named Jay is dating a guy named Hugh who is having some paranoia issues. She has sex with him in a car, and he chloroforms her, ties her to a chair in an abandoned garage, and we see someone slowly coming for her. He explains that he had a one-night stand and was past something. But in this case, it's an entity that follows him around slowly all the time. If it catches him, he will die, and the entity will come for the person on the list previously, meaning him. He passed it to her. Now, if if she has to pass it on or if she dies, it'll come back to him. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's important that she give it to someone quickly, explain the situation to them, and get them to pass it on quickly. Because if it keeps spreading further and further, they have less of a chance of it coming back from him. Have you seen this? Yeah, yeah. I own it. I I got the DVD. Oh, really? What do you think? I liked it. And actually, I really like the plot and surprised that it hasn't been used years ago. Mm Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. the, this whole analogy, especially in a post-ring world where that it's sort of the same similar plot. So just the fact that it's an STD analogy with a horror entity, I'm surprised no one's done it before. Yeah, I agree. I was it was funny because you know we earlier recorded today uh, the ring, and I was kind of like, ooh, should I lead up to you know to my venereal diseases episode <laughs> because the you know the whole kind of twist at the ending of the ring is that if you make a copy of it and pass it on, then it skips you basically. Yeah. And that's kind of the same idea, you know, which is you get this entity or this disease or this, you know, type of thing. And all you have to do is just pass it on to someone. And right. that in that makes sure that it keeps on living, kind of s- similar to a venereal disease. Um, it was interesting. It was interesting. Another thing I liked about it was how it was filmed, too, which I know it's gotten a lot of kudos for that. But when I watched it, I could see why. Because there wasn't a lot of jump scares in it. Mm-hmm. The way it worked its horror, I guess, was more through dread. Like, it would show, like, a kind of a static camera shot. But then it would show, like, somebody walking from far away and you didn't know if it was that entity or not some some of the scenes 
means you weren't sure. It's constantly trying to find you, you know. And right. So it's just slowly walking down the road or whatever. And the way they filmed some of it, you didn't know if that was that or if it was just some normal dude. And so they, they played with that a little bit in the way they shot this movie. So I enjoyed it a lot. I thought it was really good. Yeah, I have two points that I wanted to make about that. I don't think I have to tell you that a lot of critics saw this as a horror version of HIV AIDS or even a modern syphilis, you know, warning film, yeah. you know, because as you talked about, it's like you're looking around in this frame trying to pick the person that has it that right. you're supposed to be afraid of. So obviously the HIV scare of not wanting to touch or come anywhere near anybody that had it certainly had elements of that. Yeah. And one of the other things is that what's so great about it is that, that it kind of it took a high school sex romp type of thing because there's a lot of sex in the movie, yeah, to be yeah, honest, yeah. and underage sex. And, and they made it a paranoia horror movie. When I watched it again this past week, you know, we talked about it a little bit in 28 Days Later and the remake of Dawn of the Dead and how like zombie and undead people all of a sudden became very quick and very fast. Mm-hmm. And now when you see something like that in a movie, it's just it's standard. They kind of took it backwards right. and they made all this entity very slow, very menacing, not a lot of jump scares, you know, and, and really yeah. kind of, you know, took it back to the original genre of the Romero's, you know, t- type of feeling. Yeah. It was that unstoppable force. You know, and, and it's ruthless and but constantly coming at you. But it's not, right. you know, it's not like but a lot of cheap slow. jumps. It's, yeah. a, it's more, it plays on dread than cheap jump scares. I did have to say, just because I saw this movie in the theater when it came out, and I kind of was like not really impressed by it. But then when yeah. I watched it again, I was like, oh, it was really good. And I was like, why didn't I like it the first time? It wasn't like it was 20 years ago and no. I've grown older now. You know, it was like last year. I remember that I accidentally got drunk first. <laughs> And then when, and it's always bad news for me to accidentally get drunk before I go to a movie because I just fall asleep. Yeah. And I never, I don't fight myself. If I'm f- like falling asleep in a movie, I just roll with it. I'm just like, I'm just gonna have to sleep through this. Mm-hmm. And I remember that when I woke up, I was just very confused and I didn't pick up most of the major plot, which is like right. that they had to do it. And of course, you know, in the movie, she has to kind of pass it on and her friends take it on from her. So they're like, I'm going to take it from you and then I'm going to help you by getting it from you and giving it to someone else. And so like she was having sex with them and I wanted to be like, stop doing that. You're going to get it. Why are you doing it? And I was like, oh, I think I slept through a really important part of the plot. Yeah, now. And that's why I was watching it this past week. I was like, that was actually a really good movie. Yeah. I should have just not accidentally gotten drunk before I watched it and then not understood the plot at all. Yeah, that's a... Uh some good advice yeah and she has good friends you know that are willing to take the you know ghostly haunting from her and pass it on to (laughs) prostitutes which is eventually what one of them does so yeah all right that is pretty much my episode right up to date great what do you think i liked it a lot i learned a lot about the dangers of stds and venereal diseases yeah thank you very much this is a really funny one because usually when i do my episodes you know especially like with kids that kill i started with a list of i don't know 200 movies Mm -hmm. and kind of like called them down to the ones that were most important or this one I was stretching to find really anything just because you know STDs aren't that big of a deal it was really obviously HIV the big kind of like lump of you know the HIV and AIDS movies and then the warning films but you know since I knew I had it follows to kind of end it on I'd be like all right I think I think we got enough here to pull out an episode so (laughs) to pull it out yeah just pull pull it out so you (laughs) you know what happens if you leave it in yeah I think we've learned that lesson yeah all right you got anything else all right so before we get out of here I want to hijack this thing real quick and reach out to you guys and ask you to come up with some topics for season four. I know we brought this up a few times in the last couple of episodes, but right now we're researching and trying to get our stuff ready for the next season. And we'd like to hear some ideas from you guys. So if you have any ideas for episodes that you want us to do, 
Go to iTunes, go to this review section for Slums of Film History, leave a review, but inside the body of that review, give us a topic that you want us to do. Any weird shit. We don't care. Any weird movies or directors or topics. Throw some shit down there, and we'll pick through the best or worst one, and we'll research it, and we'll do a whole episode on it. And, of course, we'll give you a massive shout-out, and we'll be so happy that you did it. You know, we'll name our children after you or some shit, whatever. So if you do that, that would be freaking awesome. So anyway, back to you, Slate, before we get out of here. All right. Thanks, everyone. Yep. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. See ya. Thanks for listening to Slums of Film History. You can find us on the web at slumsoffilmhistory.com, where you can find links to some of the movies we talked about today, along with pictures, videos, and additional resources, as well as Sunday Slum Day, our weekly recommendation for the best and sometimes worst films every Sunday night. If you want to keep up with us, we're on Facebook and Twitter, where we share out a lot of additional content. And as always, please fact check us and let us know if we left anything out. We're not professionals, just two friends that love gross movies. Previously on Syphilis. (laughs) I'm sorry, go ahead.